Hey guys, this is Ralph Macchio. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is William Zabka. You're listening to Cobra Kai Companion, the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Cobra Kai Companion, and I am Peter. And I'm Tom. And we're here for another episode review of Cobra Kai, this one, episode seven of season two, LOL. So, Tom, how you been? It's been a while. Uh, doing really well. Uh, had some car issues, been working a lot of hours at the office, but uh, still making time for a little bit of fun here and there. Oh, that's uh, really good to hear. Um, on the podcast front, just to throw it out to our listeners too, uh, you know, if you guys missed it, we released a couple interviews, one with Gianni DiCenzo and one with Vanessa Rubio. Uh, so check that out if you guys want to hear some behind-the-scenes tidbits. Uh, they were a lot of fun to speak with. Uh, we have... Three interviews also recorded at this point. Uh, we are trying to finish up or wrap up our season two review, but um, you know these interviews uh, we're trying to schedule the schedule them and record them. Um, you know as as the cast becomes available. You know because they're starting to um, get ready for season three, which at the time of this recording earlier today, John Hurwitz had a Q and A. And said that they had just finished up writing season three and they will be heading to Atlanta pretty soon. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we are going to be in a bit of a lull, you know, before season three starts shooting. You like that? You see, you see what I did? Ah, lull. I see what you did lull. there. That's the title Very of this episode. Clever. Thank you. Thank you. So, lull, uh, Chris does mention what it means. But just to pull up the um, yeah, the Merriam-Webster definition of lull, it says a temporary calm before or during a storm. So something is to come, and this episode is kind of the precursor to that, I would say. Yeah, uh, I always kind of looked at it as a chessboard, and clearly the pieces are being set up uh, for a play. Absolutely. Uh, in this episode, a bunch of, or not a bunch of, but both dojos are uh, doing some training and preparing for what uh, perhaps may be coming. So as we do with every episode, we have Amy S. providing us with the um, episode summary. And she writes, Daniel continues to, de- to neglect Amanda and the dealership in favor of focusing on his training Chris shows up in Mr. Miyagi's backyard to threaten Daniel and his students, inspiring a subtle change in his teaching methods. Johnny returns from Tommy's funeral to find that Chris has insinuated himself even further into Cobra Kai and his students' lives. During a training exercise orchestrated by Chris, Miguel learns who vandalized the rival dojo. Johnny sees a side of Miguel that worries him and, as a result, stands up to Chris and tells him he needs to leave Cobra Kai. At the LaRusso house, Sam and Robbie grow closer. So thanks, Amy, for that episode summary. Yes, thank you as always. Yeah, on point uh, as usual. And uh, she actually mentioned this was kind of difficult to write. So uh, I think you did an amazing job. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, this episode, this is written by uh, one of Amy's favorite directors, uh, Jennifer Salata. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but... uh, she at least returns from directing episode three of season one, Escaleto. 
because uh, I remember Nicole Brown sharing the story about you know the eating the cheese puffs and they didn't know at the time that she was allergic to that, but she went ahead and said, "Hey, I'll do it because it looks better than pretzels." <laughs> so that's kind of yes. cool, you know. It it's a continuity, right? You you kind of use the same people that you have before. Oh yeah, I mean you build up a rapport with those people. They uh, have all kinds of uh, shorthand that uh, they can employ. Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely. If you got a working team, keep it together. You know, we often, you know, bring up Breaking Bad, make comparisons with the show and Breaking Bad, you know, the the, the level of writing and, and, and things of that nature. But Breaking Bad has a great team of writers and directors and uh, uh, in each and one of them are kind of known for like their thing, right? Mm-hmm. So like, um, oh gosh, I'm blanking on her name. Michelle McCormick? Thank you. Oh gosh, yeah. Originally she was going to direct... Um, uh, Wonder Woman, and I go, yeah. Uh, hell yeah, you know, there's, I couldn't think of anybody better, but she eventually dropped out for whatever reasons, but she was known for her uh, her action sequences. Yeah, why she hasn't been given a big, huge uh, studio project is beyond me. Yeah, I mean, I know she did some Game of Thrones stuff, and which, hey, ties back to Cobra Kai a little bit, some Game of Thrones, uh, it does. Uh, you know, uh, references, uh, not in this episode, unfortunately, but um, yeah, I would love to see her... More- did you say McCormick? That doesn't sound right. But but I'm we're talking pre- about the same person. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, so um, I guess we'll uh, jump right into it. Uh, the story is by the big three, John, Josh, and Hayden. Uh, and the teleplay, which I still need to ask about that, but the teleplay is by Kevin and Matthew McManus, uh, assuming they're brothers there. And um, in this episode, we start off with Amanda waking up alone it finds out that Daniel is at the dojo, and apparently he forgot that he was supposed to go in for lunch with Anoush today, or that day. Yeah, uh, it's just continuing his downward trend where he's n- neglecting everything except for that dojo. That dojo has pretty much consumed his life at this point. Yeah, balance is not his thing right now, right? Uh, Yeah, yeah, he definitely is forgetting a lot of the lessons. Yeah, you know, it's going to come up a little bit later, but she's, you know, she throws it in his face that he's not really focusing, um, he's not balancing, this isn't really working out. Uh, what is sad is that Amanda's waking up by herself, so that already kind of, well, first off, she thought he was there, and also, she didn't know whether he was at the dealership or at the dojo, so they're not even talking to each other like the night before. You know, usually there's a little bit of that pillow talk be- between couples, I feel. Yeah, yeah, there's uh, definitely a wall between them at this point. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so a um, little heartbreaking to see that. Uh, I, I'm i not saying that this happens to me like often or anything, but my wife, sometimes she'll go to the gym and I, I won't know about it. You know, that's her schedule. I, I work in the mornings, but sometimes I'll wake up and be like, oh, she's already gone. But I kind of know how that feels. Uh, and it sucks. It sucks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's part of the adulting, though, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So Daniel hears Robbie punching a bag outside. Nope, it's Kreese. Uh And Kreese wonders if he's teaching karate or gardening. Pretty legit question. Why didn't? Why do you think Daniel didn't call the cops at this point? Well, I mean, is he trespassing? Mm, yeah. Is he? I mean, because mm. he's he's visiting the dojo. I'm sure he got the address from the sponsored commercials on YouTube, right? So it's not like he's knocking on every door like Johnny was in season one. I mean, he he, True. he knew where to go. Um, because it's a place of business, I guess, 
perhaps there's no gate that's locked or anything. I mean, we saw in episode five, yeah, episode five, the the the, the Cobra kids, you know, snuck in just fine. I don't know if they had any. Um, what's that thing you know where you you throw and it's got the hooks, you know, like four four. four three four prongs. grappling hook yeah that you know they didn't use that to climb over a wall or anything <laughs> you know so they got in just fine there might not be a door yeah but still that's got to be some kind of harassment at this point at the very least well the worst that happened was that he put out a cigar on a plant i mean i mean mm. there's there's some threats there's some threats that well what's the police gonna do that he's gonna call them and it's a non-emergency report yeah, but it would at least have a paperwork trail that would establish a, a pattern of harassment and trespassing. That way, when he calls again, you know, they have something to go off of. I mean, you're, you're not wrong. I mean, th- this man is associated with a dojo mm-hmm. who... He's faked his death twice. That, but also his students had recently just trashed, you know, their dojo, wrote, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Cobra Kai never dies on his car. And granted, this wouldn't make for very dramatic television. You know, I'm just kind of thinking out loud here. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, what do you think about this talk here about, uh, well, I mean, Kreese is there to thank him for taking the weakest soldiers from their ranks. He's not entirely wrong, I guess. I mean, they're more of the newer students, really. Actually, the thing that I really kind of picked up on in the scene was the stuff that Kreese didn't say. I mean, clearly he's implying that he is preparing for some kind of conflict between the two Jojos, but he never says anything outright. I I just thought it was kind of, you could tell that this was a scene that both actors had a chance to really sink their teeth into. You know what I mean? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. Daniel is the one who's like soldiers, you know, these are kids, you know, and uh, war is brought up and that's where Kreese says, well... You know, peace is the lull between battles, and so you're right. And I, I remember where, uh, like, was it the second episode? Was it the first or second episode? It, it was when they went to go get a couple tall boys. I feel it was the second okay. episode, somewhere around that time. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, they had the, you know, the, the the little confrontation in front of the convenience store. And then uh, Chris says, "You know, my condolences." And then in this scene, you know, he kind of exits and says, "Regards to Mr. Miyagi." It made me like, ooh, you wascally sensei, you like. Um, but I wonder if the uh, the McManus uh, uh, gentleman here, or even the big three, had considered. I, I feel, I feel from the previous movies, perhaps Kreese would have said something like regards to the slope, or you know, something like that, right? I wonder if they've ever. Oh, cons- I'm sure. Yeah, I wonder if they've considered bringing that word back for this character. Um. Or, or you know, I what? don't know. I mean, maybe the newer generation it would definitely vilify him more. It would, but maybe the newer generation isn't privy to that slang. You know, maybe it wouldn't work. So that's why you have like a room of writers, right, to kind of bounce things off mm-hmm. of each other. Like, well, you know what? Maybe nobody's going to know what slope means anymore. Thirty-four years later. Yeah, but I mean, either way, they definitely, uh, I thought, did an effective job of just conveying how little respect you know, Kreese has for Daniel and, you you know, even Miyagi to this day. Right. Even though he beat them not once but twice, he still has absolutely no respect for those two. You're absolutely right. And he's flat out saying, I can come in here with complete impunity and you can't do a thing about it. Because Daniel doesn't strike first. Exactly. He's already said as such. 
Mm-hmm. So Sam is visiting Moon, and she is drinking something Moon made that's supposed to balance her kinetic energy. Would you try that, Tom? I'm not a big fan of green drinks. It's got hemp oil. Yeah, but it looks chunky. But it's got hemp oil. <laughs> yeah, but it looks like something that uh, would be served in a gulag. It, it just does not look appetizing at all. What if we put some boba balls in there? Oh, <laughs> I, I, I would ask what I did to offend you so badly that you would serve that to me. <laughs> uh, well, it, I'd try it. I may not finish the entire thing, but I'd sip it. You know, I, I think Moon meant well. Uh, but, you know, very nice to see Hannah Keppel again, obviously. Uh, we, we saw her in episode four, I believe it was, when she broke up with uh, with Hawk. So, um, yeah, pretty good scene here between her and Mary Mauser. Uh, well, I guess Sam and, and Moon. But this is where Moon kind of deduces or just finds out that Sam has a crush on Robbie. Yeah, uh, even if she isn't really ready to admit it to herself yet, it's pretty obvious. Pretty obvious. If Moon, you know, figures it out, other people are probably talking about it, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought this was kind of a, a nice little drop. Uh, Moon says that her mom's therapist says that you can't hide from your heart. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I wonder if we'll ever get, like, a little backstory on uh, her mom. I don't know if she has both parents or what, but uh, that'd be interesting to see. It would be fun. I, I, I've always really enjoyed the character. Uh, but in a show this size with so many characters, unfortunately, sometimes you gotta put some of your favorites in the backseat. Yeah. I, do you ever see, uh, what a gosh, what is that movie? It's got Ashton Kutcher and, um, Mila Kunis. What was that? Was that Friends with Benefits or was that the Justin Timberlake one? No, 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 no. I oh, know gosh. what you're talking about. It, it's, yeah. Yeah, something along those lines. I forget which one it was. It actually might be Friends with Benefits, but maybe it was Justin Timberlake and Mila Kunis. That's what it was. Justin Timberlake and Mila Kunis. No. I don't know. Somebody's I know that mother... uh, Natalie Portman had a similar movie. Right. That one was, was with Ashton Kutcher. Mila Kunis with, was with Justin Timberlake. I did that for original remake compared to two movies because they were like, they came out the same time and basically about the same thing. But whichever movie it was, might have been Natalie Portman's mom. The I don't know the actress's name, but somebody who played one of the the uh, you know Natalie Portman's or Mila Kunis's mom, I think she would be great for Moon's mom, which this okay. doesn't mean anything because I don't have any names and can't remember <laughs> the right damn movie. But um, you know that that lady who was in that thing in that you movie know what I'm talking about with that actor and that actress, and it's a rom com. Um, somebody knows exactly what I'm talking about, but I, I feel that actress would be, or at least that character could be like Moon, Moon's mom too. But that's pretty much it. Uh, really brief scene. Uh, and then now we get the Cobra Kai dojo and Miguel expresses his condolences to Sensei Lawrence. And yeah, we find out that he did attend the funeral. So I wonder if he got to see the OG Cobras there. Probably. I'm sure. Most likely. Yeah. Uh, but Chris uh, has reorganized the office, puts his one photo that he has of himself <laughs> in that dojo. It ain't, it ain't a Cobra Kai dojo without that photo, right? Oh, you can't. You No, no, absolutely not. You may as well not even have the snake on the logo. I mean, n not even like a sensei with his students uh, picture. You know, it's got to be him wielding the, you know, the ace, you know, M16? M16A1? I, I forget. I, 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 I'm I not a gun aficionado. I I just know uh, one of the ends goes bang. 
Yes, right, right, right. You you pull the uh, you know the, the the trigger, right? I think that's what they call it. Yeah, right, right. right. You you aim. Well, I I know because I served, but um, oh yeah, I'm just trying to like you know say so you understand, right? <laughs> uh, so yeah, I like the scene uh, between between the two. Uh, Kree said that he's paid the bills because the invoices have been backed up and stuff. Uh, but this photo, what do you who do you think is the buddy that took that photo that he mentions? Oh, I always kind of figured it was Terry Silver. You think so? I, I feel like that's what a lot of people think, too. Um, yeah. But uh, I think that's probably the best guess. Uh, just because, mm-hmm. just you know, we know that they served together and, you know, Silver has saved his life. Uh, or, mm-hmm. wait, was it? I thought it was the other way around? Probably. Yeah, that's Kreese. why Terry Silver agreed to that's right. Kreese, drop yeah. all of his business interests and plot a revenge scheme against some random kid in the valley. You're absolutely right. Uh, and then we find out that Johnny doesn't know that Chris had been telling them about this special training in the woods over at Coyote Creek. Uh, apparently, they plan to separate the men from the boys and the girls? Question mark. Yeah, I mean, this was one of those episodes where I was just feeling kind of frustrated because you, you want to just yell at Johnny, you know, and tell him to wake up. You know, it's obvious that he's, you know being subjected to alpha moves by by crease but he's just too nice to see it at this point i think oh absolutely or at least too nice to do anything about it yeah i mean well he doesn't think the kids are ready but you know he looks at miguel who's like oh come on you know like he really wants to prove to you know johnny that you know that they can indeed do whatever it is that they're gonna do at coyote creek so obviously Mm -hmm. it's something that crease has done with his students in the past so you know i mean johnny knows what it is but Cree says, hey, you know what? We're going to go when Sensei Lawrence says, you know, when everybody's good and ready to go, basically. Right? So mm-hmm. he's putting it on, the, you know, the burden on him. And so obviously that's why the kids are like, oh, come on. So he kind of feels like he has to say yes, right? He doesn't want to let his students down. Yeah, but sometimes in order to do the right thing for someone, you got to tell them no. No, I, I I got you, but yeah, he's playing into Crease's plans. Obviously, you you see the look on Crease's face, like yeah, oh yeah, I'm, this is going exactly the way I planned it. Oh yeah, yeah, obviously. So we go back to Miyagi Do Dojo. Uh, it's an extremely hot day. I mean, later we're gonna find out that it's a hundred degrees. Which, I mean, I, I guess if there's a heat wave, that that is gonna be hot, no matter, you know, hundred, hundred, whatever. But um. I've, I've experienced 100 degree. I, I don't think it's that hot, but I guess when you're doing like karate or martial arts or anything uh, in the heat for a long duration of time, it, it'll, it'll get to you. Um, oh, yeah. I found out in my conversation with Gianni that apparently, I, I think this is the scene he was referring to, but that day it had been raining, so it was muddy all around them, and oh. they had to pretend that it was really hot. Yeah, but I'd imagine it would still be really stupidly humid. Yeah, I, I don't remember if he said it was that or it was cold. Because uh, mm. remember, like, every time... I, I feel like he might have said that it was cold. Uh, but, you know, in, in any case, you know, the conditions weren't very ideal. But they made it work, right? Movie magic. It looks good. Hey, they're professionals on this show. Mm-hmm. So uh, Daniel says that they're going to experience Shochu Geiko. Geiko. Man, see... All the kids are messing it up, so now I'm messing it up myself. <laughs> because Chris is all like, is that the insurance? So, uh, was it Geiko? I think it was Geiko. Shochu Geiko. Uh, and basically, it's pushing yourself to the limit in, I guess, extreme weather. I don't know if it's specifically like in the heat. And he says that he's just preparing them for the fight that they may not be able to avoid sometimes. 
because Sam questions, like, you know, isn't the idea, you know, to not fight? Yeah, but after his conversation with Kreese, he would almost have a responsibility to help these kids learn how to defend themselves. I mean, it's a threat, right? You, he, exactly, yeah. yeah. He, it's it's only right that he prepares his his, uh, his kids. So, I mean, even if the fight comes to them, yeah, it, it, it's going to be about, you know, defending. But yes, it, it you know, when it comes to it, you're going to have to fight. Even Miyagi had to fight, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so we go to Coyote Creek. Uh, the teams have been split up by red and black. Uh, I did wonder, you know, and after like watching this a few times, I, I still don't know how exactly they picked the teams uh, because it does seem random. But I don't know if Chris and Johnny really sat there and like took turns. It almost appears that way, but Chris almost, almost makes it sound like it was random. I, I'm not entirely sure, actually. Yeah, because uh, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but... um. Well, it's it's about right here, so we'll, we'll get there. Um, the kids kind of question, like, well, how do they get these headbands, just the red and black headbands, and uh, pretty much by any means, any means necessary, right? That's how, that's how you win. So mm-hmm. uh, we get Stingray Begins. <laughs> A little late. Yes. Traffic was real bitch uh, on, the, on the 118, or I guess traffic on the 118 was real bitch is, is the actual quote. Uh, we found out from um, Paul Walter Hauser that he had a few different variations, and apparently uh, Jacob Bertrand had a hard time keeping a straight face uh, during some of these takes. <laughs> but yeah, what would you think of uh, Stingray's new look here? I thought it was incredible. Uh, he, he just re- reminds me of the stereotypical, I, I don't want to say middle-aged person, but definitely somebody who's too old to be doing what he's doing and just doesn't realize that he's the age he is. You know, he's got like a sense of arrestive development where he can't accept the fact that he's not 16 anymore. Well, you you know what? Badassery knows no age or does not discriminate against (laughs) age, sir. Okay. Don't know if you know that. No expiration date on that bottle is what you're saying. That that is correct. Um, But, you know, he's got the braided strand. I kind of misremembered. I thought it was two strands, but it's just the one. I mean, it does look like the stingray tail, you know, that of the fish. Well, I was going to say, also, he has the styled uh, goatee. Exactly. That you could tell he shaped. I... It's just so over the top, but it fits that character so well. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the name, right? I mean... It's a play on his Raymond, right? On on his his name. So I I think it's. Awesome. I actually, as funny as the name is, I thought Johnny's reaction to it was priceless. <laughs> you know where he was like, uh, yeah, whatever, Tubby Chubs, Chubs. Yeah. That's what it yeah, was. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, great reaction. But I think that would be a great handle. You know, for any type of gaming, whatever uh, the case is. Stingray, I think is cool. Just uh, you know, because my name is Peter. I, I don't know. If there's anything where you can throw Peter at the end, like like Stingray, you know? Nothing that would be uh, appropriate. <laughs> wow, Tom. <laughs> well, Peter Piper. That's you don't you don't play pipes. What were you thinking I was saying? Uh yeah, that's that's uh that's where I was going. <laughs> Get your mind out of the gutter, sir. We have children listening. Do we? Is that is that right? Okay. I know, probably. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, stingrays uh, are, themselves are common in coastal, tropical, and subtropical marine waters throughout the world. So, um, little little interesting tidbit there. Uh, I another, was not... another thing real quick. Yeah. Aren't they largely docile? What's that? 
where they aren't very aggressive. I mean, they oh, have oh. defense mechanisms, but they don't go out of their way to get into fights. Is it is it docile or docile? Well, tomato, tomato. Okay, good but point. But I, I, I just thought that it was funny because he's trying to be badass, but he's naming himself after a very unbadass creature. Hmm. Well, let's see here. Male stingrays display sexual dimorphism by developing cusp or pointed ends <laughs> to some of their teeth. <laughs> oh, okay, teeth. Uh, during mating season, blah, 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 blah. Not seeing anything about their behavior, more so about their physical traits and such. Uh, oh, oh no, behavior. Here we go. Yeah, I'm reading. Stingrays are usually very docile and curious, the usual reaction being to flee any disturbance. Well, I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense to what he does later on, right? Yeah, but still, the fact that he's trying to present himself as being a badass by calling himself Stingray, but... It's not a badass creature. I just find hilarious. You know, Tom, I, I, I think you just might be jealous. Well, why wouldn't I be? <laughs> yeah. You saw that. You saw that braid. Stingray's a pretty badass name. You know, like we. I'm I not mean, arguing. Peter and Tom, like we can't do anything with that. You know, that's why you go by the drunken dork, right? You you don't have yeah, you know, any Tom puns yeah. in there. You know, so you know you're not gonna get anybody buying you a drink if you walk into a bar and say hi. I'm Tom. I'm Tom. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't work. I've tried. Maybe maybe from Jake. Who knows? Maybe not even Jake. Possibly. I don't know. All right. Uh, I did notice that he is wearing a Cobra Commander patch. We do see it a little bit later, but he's got that going. Yes, I thought that was hilarious. And and again, it just the level of detail that they have on this character is just amazing. You you could tell that they had a lot of fun putting him, you know, writing the character, you know, getting all of those little uh, touches, you know, just right. It, it just looks like everybody involved had fun with that guy. I didn't pause the screen or anything like that. Um, I have seen this episode a number of times. I didn't count, but he's also wearing either a Stingray pin or it's a Stingray patch, or at least it's shaped <laughs> like one. So, again, to what you're saying, the level of details that they, they put into this uh, wardrobe and in, in, in everything. So, love it. Yeah. Uh, Johnny puts him on Crease's team, which uh, he thinks is a terrific idea. So, <laughs> again, that, that like how did the, how were these teams comprised? You know what I mean? How did Johnny just say, oh, he's on Crease's team? Maybe Johnny went last, you know, taking turns picking people. Could be, yeah. yeah. Uh, now, question... How come Crease and Johnny's headbands were not part of this exercise? Okay. Uh, um. Well, if you were a student, would you want to take on either one of those guys? What did Peter Quill do in Guardians of the Galaxy Part 1 when they went to prison? Uh, he, didn't he... It's been a while since I've seen that, but didn't he pick a fight with the toughest guy there? The toughest and biggest guy, played by Nathan Fillon. Uh, but yeah... You know, you take down the the, uh, the senseis when they're not expecting it. Shouldn't you get some street cred for that or some... Maybe among your fellow students, but you'd, uh, you'd figure that if somebody sucker-punched Crease, best-case scenario is Crease would make the rest of the lessons a living hell for them. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. We, we've kind of seen what he's done to Dimitri, I guess. Exactly. And that was just for giving him some constructive criticism on a tattoo. <laughs> Which he, I mean, we, we don't know if maybe uh, Kreese designed it or 
You know, did he just go in drunk one time and picked one and the guy was trying to say like, hey, this isn't anatomically. Shut up. That's the one I want. (laughs) We don't know. We don't know how it went down. Do you have any idea how many times over the past 40 years I've had people point that out to me? Right. Uh, yeah. We, we, we See, if if they did the thing where we talked about, like, well, what if there were uh, some promotional, like, webisodes that, that would drop every, every now and then? Kind of like what they did. And, and I felt like, I feel like I explained this. Actually, but... Breaking Bad did that, where they had, like, little mini episodes that they released only on their website. And didn't Marvel? Did you ever see those? I think Marvel kind of did that too. That, Marvel's done it too. Yeah, yeah. Not, yeah. And these aren't like the the stingers. Like, didn't they do something for like um, Thor, where Coulson went to a convenience store or something? Uh, they they did something with Coulson, but they also I remember had one with uh, Ben Kingsley showing what life was like after he uh, went to prison following the no, events of Lord. Iron Man three that I thought was hilarious. Did you? That, that 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 was kind of like all right. You guys were right. We were wrong. So they they ref- or shot something new to please the fans. Yeah, but but I got a kick out of it. What ifs? We're gonna get the real Mandarin in this new Shang. Yes, Shang-Li. can't wait. Yeah, cannot wait for that. Oh, th- you know, uh, let me say this, and then we'll we'll move uh, move along. The actor Simo Liu, Simu. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right. Who's uh, casted at this as this Shang Li? Um, he woke up this morning to find an article written about him as the uh, the Chinese people think that he's um, not handsome enough to play this this role. His own people. Do you believe that? Oh, I, I, I that's bizarre, but it's very bizarre. I mean, it, yeah. It, what's crazy is I'm in this uh, <laughs> I'm in this Asian group page on Facebook, and it's got like thousands of people from around the world, and he's in it. <laughs> he shared that post, and we're all like the fuck he's in here <laughs> but you know he's a he's a regular person too that just happened to have you know just been signed to a marvel movie but yeah you know people are like whoa he's in here sharing things but um yeah that's uh, that's crazy but anyway looking forward to that representation matters um, absolutely it does yeah so we get to miyagi do and sam is in the uh in the middle here which i thought was uh maybe it's not the wheel technique but she's definitely in a circle I don't know if everyone's assigned a number or is uh Daniel calling off like, you know, the the uh the hour on a clock. And and there's That was the impression I got. Okay, that's kind of what I thought too. Um but anyway, she her and Robbie they have this little moment. She actually, you know, gets him or something, you know, she's like, I got you, and you know, it's all cute. Uh then Dimitri, who is not prepared, doesn't block a punch from Chris and then gets swept off his feet, literally. <laughs> I felt so bad for Dimitri in this episode. I really did. Yeah, I heard that uh, Gianni DiCenzo surprised somebody, was one of the surprises in terms of uh, picking up choreography and stuff. So Really? That's awesome. Clue into a possible upcoming interview. Mm. So now we see Miguel and Tori take down one guy. Now, um, I don't know the character's name, but I if it was a very bright idea to you know to uh try to sneak up on two people you know i mean you're outnumbered there yeah yeah uh strategy is not this person's strong point no i mean one of them is you know the the former champion at the all valley here not to mention uh the other is shown to at least have a very physical background Mm -hmm. so 
No, no, that was not the brightest move of the day. Yeah, well, he he deserved to to get killed then, I guess, get his head been removed there. No mercy. That's what uh, Miguel tells him. Absolutely. Huh? So now the Miyagi Dojo do, Dojo students are in a freezer with frozen meat. Uh, did you catch the meat packaging? No, I didn't. Fernandez. Possibly a nod ah. to Freddy Fernandez. So uh, no confirmation on that, but it has been questioned uh, in the you know John Hurwitz's Q&As on Twitter. That would explain why he has access to that size of a freezer. I didn't think about that. I did not think about that. And Anusha is trying to call because, again, he's supposed to have lunch with them and try to convince him to stay. Daniel doesn't pick it up and texts him that he can't make it. Yeah, I, I just found that to be beyond... I mean, on one hand, I understand that he's trying to prepare these kids for a possible confrontation, but he also has responsibilities to his livelihood, and he owed Anush a, a lot more respect than that. Absolutely. This this is your employee that you pay. That you pay. I, we don't know how long Anush has worked for him, but probably a long time. And he doesn't give him just a few minutes or the respect of just to answer the call, you know, I'm going to be late or just call it off. You know, that that's actually- well, especially in given the circumstances where Anush is uh, saying, hey, I've got an offer to go to your competitor. I want to stay with you. Give me a reason to to be loyal. And Daniel gives him absolutely none. Yep. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Mitch then gets uh, dropped on. By Hawk. Uh, I really like the, the little cue here of the, the screaming Hawk before he drops from the trees. Nice little touch. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So uh, he takes Mitch's headband, pulls out the Medal of Honor. So he's wearing it around his neck. It says that that's how he earned it. Basically, he, he's had five kills at this point, And uh, Miguel sees from afar. You know, I, I want to hope that I Hawk is a character that I want to like. Just because I got such a kick out of him in the first season, but man, man, it, it's impossible to like this guy this year, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, because not, I mean, I'm somebody who has a hard time, uh, you know, you don't, I, I don't like the idea of somebody who doesn't serve wearing, you know, any kind of fatigues or anything like that. To me, it's just disrespectful to those who did serve. Right. Let alone a Medal of Honor let alone the way he obtained it. It's just like, man, you're scummy this year. Yeah, it's it's not a good look right now. No. Yeah, so if Miguel is kind of not painted as the villain as how he kind of was at the end of season one, somebody's got to kind of be it now, right? I mean, this mm-hmm. is the start of, you know, this is the beginning of the divide. Yeah, and all credit to Jacob Bertrand. I mean... He is playing this character full tilt. You know, he's making a, a very unlikable person out of him, and he's doing a good job in his performance. Yeah. You know, it. if I actively dislike a character for those reasons, you know, the writers, the directors, the actors have to be doing a lot of things uh, right. So all the credit in the world to them for his character arc this year. Absolutely. Um. Yeah, Eli, Hawk, we, we've seen... Uh, all types of range and emotions uh, throughout the season. One thing I don't think we've ever brought up uh, about the writing on the show, uh, which which I just love, is it passes the, the Bechtel test, right? 
Um, mm-hmm. According to Wikipedia, it is a test that measures the representation of women in fiction. Uh, it asks whether a work features at least two women who talk to each other about something other than men. Uh, the requirement that the two women must uh, be named is sometimes added. Uh, whether it's, uh, say, scenes between uh, Samantha and Aisha, where they're just talking about the state of their relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they they have really good examples of yeah. it. You know, it's... Yeah, the, um, uh, the, uh, after the tournament, after Aisha loses, right? Exactly. So, no, I, I mean, I, I don't want to put myself in any kind of... Uh, position of knowledge but i would think that this would pass that test absolutely i think so you know and that doesn't get brought up enough uh you know in in pop culture you know whether it's movies or or tv show Mm -hmm. no it doesn't so in the freezer uh daniel's talking about how being in the cold you know kind of heightens your senses and you are you're able to anticipate moves um, so Sam and Robbie go up, and what, what do you think about the, uh, the 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 style of the the way this is being seen, where it's kind of slow mo, and I, I think it really uh, gives us an, an actual visual of whoever's in the center able to anticipate these moves. I thought it was very well uh, put together. I thought the editing was really great. Uh, I I just thought it was a, a fun scene to sit back and watch. I think so too. You know, so Sam was able to. Um, block everything uh and then yet again dimitri follows up and uh well before that sam and robbie they they do you know the things are kind of heating up between them right yeah uh it's just a continuation of uh everything that's been going on since that beach party in the first season yeah yeah but dimitri yeah he uh, well so dimitri gets kicked but he does block it Daniel talks about like the, the spidey sense. I I thought it was always spidey sense, wasn't it? Because Dimitri says it was spider sense in the comic books. It was spider sense. So Dimitri's correct. Mm-hmm. What? Where did people get spidey sense? Uh it, it's just one of those things that kind of Mandela effect. People misremembered. Yeah. It. Yeah. Okay. So um, I'm reaching here, but I have revealed on the show that I was named after Peter Parker. Maybe a reference That's to me. That's awesome. Maybe a reference to me. I don't know. I don't know. Just throwing it out there, possibly. What's your uh, spider sense, or I mean, in this case, at least the the Peter sense? I don't know. That's a good question. Do, do you have an example? Do, do you have one? Uh, I don't know. Maybe you always, uh, you know exactly uh, how to talk to the celebrities or uh, actors behind the scenes in order to convince them that... Uh, it's a good idea to come on the show. You know, that, that takes a flair. I, I, I wish it was really good, but, but, but thank you. Thank you. That's <laughs> very kind of you to say. Uh, I wish it were that good uh, because I, we wouldn't be struggling this season. Um, but I don't know. May, maybe my spidey sense is I can sense my kids is bullshit. <laughs> oh, that's just, you that's know. parents' intuition. You know, exactly. <laughs> uh, maybe we'll have to get back to you on that. But um, it is a great question. So... Uh, Dimitri blocks Chris's punches and gets one in, uh, which was really cool to see, but does not anticipate the immediate kick to the stomach. Yeah, but, you know, small victories here. Exactly. And considering how frustrated he was throughout this episode, it's good to see that something's finally starting to click. Right. You know, because Daniel's been patient with Mm -hmm. him, but... 
patience can only extend so far, both <laughs> on Daniel's side and Dimitri's well, side. Dimitri's also the most neurotic person he knows. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sam notices that uh, Daniel's checking his phone and asks if everything's okay. You know, uh, I think most kids, they, they know when their parents are, you know, not in the greatest of moods. And, you know, I'm sure they can read facial reactions. Usually, yeah. I mean, I, I could always sense when something was off uh, with my father. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'd imagine that pretty much all kids can sense that with their folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cut back to Coyote Creek, and Miguel confronts Hawk about the trashing of Miyagi-Do. Uh, Hawk thinks that he's going soft, probably thinks it's about Sam, which he says it isn't, and Hawk challenges him to come and take the Medal of Honor. Uh, what do you think about the fight between the two? I was glad to see Hawk get some comeuppance, frankly. Yeah, and I think it was one of the um, more exciting, uh, you know, fights so far. I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's the best one, but I really enjoy it between the two. Uh, it was definitely rewarding, considering how much of a shit uh, Hawk had been in, up to this point so far. I mean, Miguel gets thrown into a tree, which is pretty crazy. Uh, Miguel wins, and this is where Kreese tells him to finish him, and Miguel doesn't hesitate. That was a little scary. Not gonna lie. Uh, yeah, but I thought it was actually really worth uh worth that for Johnny to see exactly what kind of impact Crease is having on his students. Mm-hmm. Now, what I think a lot of us had forgotten at this moment were Stingray. <laughs> so, uh, Stingray strikes. I know I did. <laughs> did you? I. Yeah, I completely forgot. Well, during the live, the the live watch, or at least the night it aired, I completely forgot. And um, yeah, Stingray had been hiding under. <laughs> I need that that not cut scene, but I need that webisode where we see him, <laughs> like maybe digging a tiny little hole and then just start piling on a bunch of leaves as he's laying there on his back. But um, I pi- I always I picture him trying to nest in a tree but he can't climb it then he's trying to hide behind a rock and then finally he settles on hiding in the leaves love it love it i need all of that because you know that that could not have been his first idea i mean i want to see his first attempt where he grabs like a twig and holds it in front of his face like no too small too small you know (laughs) (laughs) hides behind a tree you know sideways he thinks that he's hiding but it's actually like you know his butt and his stomach is like very visible. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it just it'd be fun. But hey, you know if there's any, uh, I guess Vine doesn't exist anymore. But if there's any any people with the know how, you know we can we can have a little fun with the fans. That would be that would be great. Yeah, but uh, Stingray attacks Miguel, grabs the uh, headband, and Team Red wins. Uh, and I think everybody caught on that Kreese calls him Stingray and not Chubbs. Exactly, yeah. So he knows how to uh, manipulate people. Ex- and that's all he's doing. That's it. That's it. Uh, Johnny is visibly disappointed in Miguel. You know, tells him that's not how he taught him how to fight. No. Uh, however, he did let out a great tidbit when he said, but that's what Sensei Kreese is teaching us. That's right. Just letting him know more that, uh, yeah, Kreese is really getting into the kids' heads. Now, real quick, why do you think Miguel didn't talk to Johnny about his confrontation with Hawk? Mm. Because when you think about it, Hawk's actions did bring dishonor to Cobra Kai. Unspoken it, rule of not writing out your brothers? 
Yeah, but loyal. at this point, would you really say that Hawk is Miguel's brother? Well, we will find out in a, you know, we, we may be finding out that, hey, it was just an exercise we, and, you know. We might be. Yeah, and they still might be cool. So, you know, uh, perhaps coming soon. Um, but that's, I, I think that's all it is. And I think that's, that's all it is. He, he just didn't want to rat on him. Hmm. And also, possibly a little selfishly on his side that, you know, he wants to make it right and perhaps get some brownie points with Sam. Yeah, that's very true. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Sam visits Robbie in his chic home dojo and they share a moment. Uh, Sam is questioned uh, which exercise she liked earlier and she prefers room temp, you know, because uh, Robbie asked if he if she liked the cold or the the heat and he, Robbie likes the heat. Little uh, innuendo, perhaps. That's a very teenage boy thing to say. Well, I am writing that down. Likes the <laughs> heat. Period. All right, I like that. That is smooth. Let me know how that works. I like that. It is smooth stuff. Um, yeah, it's cute. You know, yeah, this is something for the uh, for, for the people their age, or uh, yeah, the people the age of these characters. Um, I like it. In season one, I mentioned I'm a fan of Sam. Hey. She's We all got our thing, sir. I'm not saying she's my thing. Like she's a No we, no, we mentioned no. she seems like a great daughter to have. She does. Yes. I hope that sounded okay. Um all right, so Daniel goes to the dealership and finds out that Anoush gave his notice. Uh you, Tom Cole, uh, offered <laughs> a higher title. Uh, Amanda is telling him that um he's losing his balance and that all summer she's been feeling alone. And that makes me sad because it sounds like they have not communicating, which is what makes relationship, you know, work. It's not Crumble. the thing, yeah. but you got to talk things out. Exactly. Even if it's just, hey, how was your day? Yeah. So, you know, she throws it back at him because he's like, you know, I'm just focusing on giving the kids a chance to defend themselves. And she's pointing out that he's losing focus on her, basically, uh, you know, on them. Well, not just them, but their livelihood. Mm-hmm. I mean, if she's running that the goes herself. under, they're in, yeah, yeah. If uh, things get much worse, they're looking at serious trouble. Mm-hmm. Miguel goes to return the Medal of Honor uh, at the Larusso's house, and Robbie answers the door. Uh, Miguel says that he had no part in it and wants to apologize, and they're not—they're not all assholes. Uh, Robbie tells Sam that it was nobody and holds onto the medal for himself. Uh, what'd you think about that? Kind of a dick move on Robbie's part. Is it justified for what Cobra Kai did to the dojo? But at this point, it's not necessarily about Cobra Kai versus Miyagi, though. It's about Robbie and Miguel, Miguel trying to do the right thing. Right, and uh, obviously Robbie has these feelings for Sam... And she, he probably thinks that if, you know, he told her the truth, that she might think that, hey, Miguel's not so bad, right? Or maybe he could give her the medal and say that he got it back himself. Something tells me that 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 might not happen. I would hope not, but it it looked like it crossed his mind. Possibly. Or just, you know, a little cock blocking. Oh, definitely. That was definitely involved. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they, uh, they sneak a kiss. Things are. <laughs> uh, Johnny goes to see Crease in the office, and my, 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 this scene, I tell you. He goes to Crease. It had been building for a while. It has been. He wants to break it off with him. 
Yep. Sorry, just not working out, pal. Yeah. Uh, it says Cobra Kai needs to change. And, and Johnny says, you know, that the, his methods, it didn't work back then, and it's not going to work now, uh, basically. And tries to tell him, like, the difference between no mercy and no honor. This is just a really well-written scene. And, like, any of the note-taking I took down is not doing it justice at all. Oh, no. Uh not that you're not doing it justice, but I, I'm definitely agreeing with you. I mean, this was a meaty scene. It showed just how far Johnny has developed as a person. Mm-hmm. When you compare what he's saying in this office to the way he acted at the beginning of the first episode, uh, let alone when you compare him in his 80s heyday, mm-hmm. uh, he's definitely matured significantly. Yeah. That's and the key word, significantly. I, I, yeah. yeah. Uh, because... Uh, whereas Crease, he hasn't. He's still got the same attitude that he did back in 84. He still has the same failings that he did back in 84. And he's not interested at all in be- becoming a better person. Right, right. John- Johnny says that, you know, basically it was a mistake uh, from... I think it was, you know, for bringing him in. And then he says that it, um, it was a mistake for backing off from the Russo's challenge. That he dropped in the middle of the dojo, uh, which also kind of goes back to like, you know, something Chris used to say uh, about dropping a challenge. And then the damn line where he says, you're going to let your guard down and that's going to leave you vulnerable. Uh, very prophetic words. It, it really is. Uh, and now this is what I want to ask you. Uh, there's a point where Johnny okay. says that, you know, this is my dojo. Chris is like, well, do you remember who started Cobra Kai and, and all these things? And, um, you know, Johnny's like, well, these are my students. And then Chris goes, you're still my student. Now, do you take that literal? Um, because what I'm getting at is that, like, I, uh, Brianna always says that she really does believe that Chris loves Johnny, which I don't think anybody disagrees. But do you think he sees Johnny more as a student or still as a surrogate son? And that's just something he said based off um, of something that Johnny just said. I think uh, his actions are born partially out of love, but the way he views Johnny is he is dominant, Johnny is subservient to him, and he's still trying to teach him that. Mm, Okay, yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, And Johnny tells him he doesn't want to see him in his dojo, and that's it, and And I wanted more. (laughs) You always oh, you, you, leave You had them. to have known that that wasn't going to be Oh, it. no. But, you know, again, Mr. Voss Sanchez always says you always want them leaving. You want them leaving wanting more. Exactly. Yes. And I did. Now, uh, again, I, I just love what wasn't said. You know, there is a lot of subtext in this scene, but it was still very plainly out there, even though the dialogue didn't spell it out for you i thought it was a very very well written well acted scene right yeah no i completely agree well delivered well shot well written everything i wonder if that's one that had you know a number uh number of takes you know different dialogue uh anything shortened you know what i mean you can tell that they definitely crafted this scene no i i i can't praise it enough I i thought it was great yeah i agree All right, so we have reached uh, the point of our review uh, where we are going to bring in Brianna for Brianna Uses Real Eggs. (laughs) 
Love the title. I'm telling you about my first girlfriend. Hello, Brianna. How are you guys? Good. How are you doing? It's been a while since we have uh, heard your lovely voice on the pod. Aw, thank you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I know we did the Okinawa episode, but it's it's been some time, and, uh, you know, everyone's busy and stuff. But, yes, we are all excited to have you back for uh, you, you and your real eggs. <laughs> oh. Oh, man. <laughs> Not very many of them. Not very many of them this time, unfortunately. Yeah, very just meaty dialogue, uh, you know, and some... Some stunt choreography, or some no? I was I was just telling Peter that the thing I loved about this episode was the subtext, the things that aren't said but are being plainly presented. Oh, there's a whole lot being said, or not not being said. Mm-hmm. Um, for a guy that never shuts up, Daniel never actually says anything important. No. Or does it never say anything at all at some points? Yeah, yeah. Or he just stands there and and has this, you know, kicked puppy dog look on his face when he really should be talking. And speaking of say something, do you have something you want to share real quick? People hate that video. What? Huh? It, um... (laughs) 20% of the people who have watched it or have bothered to leave feedback on it one way or the other don't like it. Oh, good lord. You can't disable the thumbs up, thumbs down? Well, no, but why would I anyway? I want to know what people think. And if they don't like it, then it it could be the song. They think it's overdone. It could be... uh, They have terrible taste. Or they don't like the storyline, and they're like me, and they don't want to cry when they're watching their OTP fall apart. I mean, but I guess I kind of did want to cry because I made myself cry. Yeah, I was I was near there. I told it. you. Yeah, I, I've made several people cry with that thing. See, so but yes. I can't take credit for it because the ones actually making people cry. Our great big world, Christina Aguilera, Ralph Macchio, Courtney Hennigler, and the big three. It has nothing to do with me. I just, you know, slow mode and set it to words. Well, right. We get, we get, yeah. we get what you're saying. But uh, yes, yeah. follow Brianna on social media and seek out this video uh, between Daniel and Amanda. Yes, please. And and please don't thumbs down it. And if you do thumbs down it, tell me why. Or you know what? Save your thumbs down and just keep scrolling. If they just keep scrolling, then they just go to the comments on it. They have hey, to They have to back out. They, they could do that, too, if they want. <laughs> or just do that. Just read the comments. Don't... Right. <laughs> um, there you go. All right. So uh, you said you got a few. Let's see what you got. I do have a few. The first one is um, not so much an Easter egg, just something really interesting. I noticed uh, first scene of the episode, of course, is Amanda waking up in the empty bed. Big, big issue between her and Daniel through the whole episode. There are zero pictures of Anthony on their bedside tables. I noticed that the the, the trio, it's um Daniel, Daniel's Amanda, and it's Sam. All, yep. Yeah. It's all Sam, Daniel, and Amanda. Um, and for some reason, they have pictures of their daughter on their bedside tables, which is kind of strange. Like, I have a picture of my husband on mine, and once upon a time, he had a picture of me on his, but we lost it, uh, moving and, and things like that. Normally, you don't have children's photos in your bedroom, uh, at least in no. my experience. I, I I would disagree with that. I mean, you know, um, 
I, you know, we, we don't need to get too far into, you know, my marriage or anything, but, uh, you know, my wife has two kids with me and, uh, on her phone is just a picture of the seven year old. So she doesn't even have like the picture of the six month old on her phone, you know, as the, as the background, I, I would have thought that she'd put a photo of the two of them, you know, on her background by, by now, but she, but she hasn't, but we got pictures of the seven year old all over our bedroom. Really? Mm-hmm. Now, my mom had a picture of my brother, but it was an oil painting that was done when he was like six months old. So they paid a hell of a lot of money for that picture. Um, and then they, my dad had also had one made of my mom in her wedding dress that matched it. Yeah, yeah. The, the, so, the seven-year-old who I dubbed uh, Mr. Personality, there are pictures of him all over the house, you know, because he is the first grandson. Uh, but also he's got like this poster of him that... He won from school for reading like X amount of minutes for the school year. So they made a poster of him. And that's like out in the living room, just taped on the wall. <laughs> so, yeah, I think each well, family is different. I, I will admit I've got five kids, right? Mm -hmm. And Nerd Boy was the first grandson. He was our oldest child. He was our first son. It, it, first parent, you know, first time parents, very young parents. I was 20 when he was born. Um, so we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pictures we took him to walmart and got his picture taken every six weeks and then mr universe came along and there's a few less pictures and then mojo and by the time the princess was born it was like whatever we have another kid <laughs> yeah and, oh, okay. oh, oh no you just you know you, you you don't keep up the photo schedule mainly because by the time you've got five kids that gets a little expensive. It, it does, but also it's a change of times. You know, like I remember, I, I have a, more of my parents rather, they have a big photo album of me growing up. And as I got to my teens, I took less and less photos with them or uh, just of them gen in general. And then we had, you know, camera phones and stuff like that, and people don't develop them as much anymore. So I think that's one. But to kind of tie it back or bring it back to Cobra Kai, Perhaps, uh, you know, Anthony is always playing on the video games. Perhaps they just don't have a lot of pictures of him. That's possible. You know, and he's at camp Daniel right now, is, too. So. Right. Daniel relates much more to Sam than he does to Anthony, and that's obvious. Yes. And I think Amanda does, too, to a certain extent. Anthony is kind of like my mojo, where he's just off in his own <laughs> little world with his video games and his nerd friends sure. and leave me alone kind of thing. Everyone's so. got them in their own, I mean, one in every family. Absolutely. Yep. Okay, first major big Easter egg is Crease stepping out from behind the heavy bag, which of course is the a little less over the top, no <laughs> growling, but ah. it's him jumping out front right, which scared the living crap out of Daniel when he was sixteen years old and it didn't do much different when he's forty nine. Yeah, he's having PSD flashbacks, perhaps. Uh I would of that man jumping out in front of me. Crease has a line uh, partway through this, and this is not really a callback. I think it's notable just for Daniel's reaction to it, and it's when he says, we were all kids once. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Daniel's entire face changes. Like, for those few seconds, he is that kid again. And then he remembers that he's an adult and he's pissed off and he gets all puffed back up. Um, when Crease is talking to Johnny in the office, uh, when Johnny walks in and finds out that Crease has cleaned his office and moved everything around, he's talking about the unpaid bills and the backed up invoices, 
which at the beginning of Karate Kid 3, we saw Kreese picking up his unpaid bills off the floor and he's got voicemails and he did, you know, he had a stack of unpaid bills and backed up invoices himself. Right. And that leads into the discussion about the photo of him on the wall, um, which is another, I believe, mention of Terry Silver uh, talking about the buddy of mine that took that photo. And then before that, we had the war buddy that had offered him the job. And I'm pretty sure whether we see him or not, whether he ever shows up on the show or not, I believe that that is him talking about Terry. I believe this is called Inception. Or I could be wrong. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, laying the groundwork for a possible cameo if, you know, should it happen. Right? You mean potential foreshadowing? I... I, I, I words Inse- inception <laughs> inception to me is that goofy movie that i still don't understand <laughs> i love that movie but you know just kind of planting the seed in the event if they can ever get uh terry silver back right that they've already mentioned him he is canon yes. in the cobra kai universe mm-hmm. um when they're up on the mountain with the uh, cobra kai kids when raymond I will never call him by that nickname. When (laughs) Raymond appears um, and gives his little speech, they start playing the song Quiver, Mm -hmm. which is the song that Hawk walked in to in uh, season one. And he gives the big speech and the music is building and building and building. And Johnny goes, yeah, whatever, Chubbs, you know, and the music just goes. Yeah, a, a bit of a yeah. Yeah, I love that touch. I love that. Um, but but Stingray's badass. Raymond. <laughs> Sting, Sting Raymond. <clears throat> Raymond <laughs> is a character on the show. Okay, so it's 100 degrees outside. This is not necessarily an Easter egg at all. This is just me wondering. It's 100 degrees outside. The Miyagi-Do kids are all in shorts, tank tops, sitting under the tree, drinking the water, sweating like pigs. Why are the Cobra Kai kids on top of the mountain wearing jackets and sweatshirts? Uh, because higher elevations colder in the mountains. I don't... <laughs> That's a really tall mountain. <laughs> yeah, well, they did show the elevation was like uh, upwards of thirty four hundred feet. Um, uh, so I don't think it would be that big, like a fifty degree. Especially in California, I don't, I don't know anything about the topography. Is that the right? right term there are there are mountains yes i i do know this from research there are very tall mountains not that far from the san fernando valley so um and in georgia in late october early november the mountains would be really cold how about this because of the exercise it's actually more you know to prevent scratches and such because they do need to capture the quote-unquote flag um, by any means necessary. So if Raymond was in Raymond, if Raymond was in shorts and a tank top hiding underneath, you know, leaves, he could potentially end up like in Stand By Me and have leeches all over him. We don't know, right? You got to watch out for that poison ivy. That I, that's what I was just gonna say. I could I could buy poison ivy, poison oak protection um, from the sun. Poison even. oak. They're in California, part three. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they didn't mention it, so that doesn't count. <laughs> we just know it. Uh, in the freezer, of course, this was one that I very tongue-in-cheek 
pointed out when we first got the trailer that somehow got picked up on <laughs> and turned into a theory, which completely boggled my mind. They're in a Fernandez meat warehouse, um, or at the very least, all of the, the boxes that... Uh, are surrounding them, say, Fernandez Meat Company on them. Right. And I liked what Tom said in, in our review. Uh, I mentioned how, you know, this could potentially be a nod to Freddy Fernandez. Uh, and Tom, you said something like, oh, you know, that would make sense and possibly how maybe Daniel was uh, able to gain access into this freezer. Yeah, because th that's a big, big-ass freezer. And... I don't. I have no problem imagining that maybe they're in a distribution center of Fernandez Meats. I, I've I've kind of thought that that would be a great way to get into that too. That that this is Freddy, and that's how he was able to get in so quickly. Mm -hmm. You know, hey Freddy, I need your freezer, and Freddy's like, okay, whatever, dude. You know, come <laughs> on in again. And then he shows up with a bunch. Of <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, what do you do in my freezer, man? Come on. I, I no, don't answer that. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> what are, who are all these people now? Um, no, but uh, yeah, for any of our new uh, newer listeners, we um, uh, got to speak with Israel uh, Warbe, you know, who played Freddy Fernandez from the first Karate Kid movie. Uh, he was a joy to talk to. Great storyteller, that guy. Yes, I love his interview. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was so inner, and he knows everyone. So, um, everyone, oh everyone God. in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, he really did. Yeah, I, I wonder if him and Mar Marty Cove could just sit there and be like, "Well, I know this person. Hi, well, I know this person. <laughs> I got one better than you." <laughs> right. Um, and then in the freezer, when Dimitri finally has his big breakthrough against Chris. Uh, the music that's playing is Time Out, which is a season one song from the final fight between Robbie and Miguel. It's the big swell um, as Robbie does the, the double-footed one-handed kick and kicks Miguel. Only here it does kind of the same thing that the music did with Raymond on the mountain. It doesn't fall off, though. It just stops. Mm. Because here comes the um, the kick the Asian the Asian boy who's not the one that was with them that morning but is the one that is with them that afternoon in the freezer mm -hmm. um, who kicks him and takes the wind completely out of his sails um, and not necessarily an Easter egg not really one at all just kind of a um, I don't know what the move is called in karate but the move that Miguel takes Eli down with in wrestling is called a fireman's carry. Mm. I don't know what it is in karate, but that's what it is in wrestling. Uh, after the fight between Miguel and Eli is over, Kreese, of course, utters his two favorite words on the planet, which are finish him. Um, kind of makes me think that Kreese should have been a character in Mortal Kombat or maybe the narrator. Perhaps that know. he inspired that line for Mortal Kombat. <gasps> Right, and then did he get to finish him when they did the the video game voiceovers at SDCC? That didn't even go to him, did it? That went to Billy. Oh, I don't know. I need to go back and look at that, because that would have been cycling around. Because that, that's like Kreese's favorite thing to say. He says that how many times now? Like five or six? In this season? Well, no, all, oh, all together. Between the movies and, yeah, between the movies and the, and the show. You would know better than us. Well, he says it twice in season two. He says it once to Tori, and then he says it to Miguel. Right. Tori hesitates so, to, uh, to Mitch, and then we got this one. 
Um, right. You're, uh, I, I know at least three instances for sure. You know, he says it to Bobby. He says it. He says it to Bobby. He says it to Johnny. Um, oh, right. Yeah, the, yeah. In the, in the tournament. Right the first before movie. the crane. Right, right, right. Yep, right before the crane. So that's four. I don't know if he says it in the third movie. I can't remember him ever. Because that was much more where Terry was coaching Mike and Kreese was just kind of standing there lurking and being scary. Right. And I don't think Kreese, uh, not Kreese, but Silver has that line either. No, I don't think he does. That does, that, it just doesn't fit with his style. He was like, I love it when he pounds it. <laughs> yeah, and, and technically... Just don't look at his lips he, while he says it. Even if Silver did say that, one could argue, technically, that was originally supposed to be Crease anyway. It was supposed to be Crease, and we've talked about that before, and it would have been so much better movie. Mm. Um, and then we've got the music from the fight again from the the finale in, in Mercy. Uh, we got Time Out playing again. Is is it time out? I I feel like isn't it um something on the mongoose? Is it the cobra and the mongoose? Uh, I'm I'm forgetting the, the the title right now. Well, the cobra and the mongoose is your theme song. Right. I thought maybe it was a part of it. It might be part of it, but that big swell. Because I actually went. Um, I thought that that was part of um oh the specific song that's that's played for the tournament. And it's called timeout because it actually starts when Daniel calls the timeout. I see. Okay. And then it plays through that whole section and then picks up with, you know, and then keeps going with Miguel uh, kicking him in the shoulder and shoving him to the ground and trying to stomp on him. And then Robbie coming up in the kick. Okay. And then already touched on a little bit the fight between Daniel and Amanda at the dealership. For some reason, he does not tell her why he is so scared of Crease or why he is so dead set on getting these kids ready. He does not tell his wife that this man who brainwashed him when he was 16 years old showed up at Mr. Miyagi's house and threatened him that morning. No, there's a lot of fault in Daniel, uh, but I, I just applaud them for taking a character from a movie that was very black and white in terms of its morality and presenting him as conflicted and maybe even a little scared. Oh, I, I think he's at this point, I think he's completely terrified mm. when mm -hmm. he, when he walks out of the dojo and he looks at the kids and he goes, what have I gotten them into? Uh, he knows that what's going on between him and crease is not good. And he knows that he's been threatened. He knows that Kreese has threatened the kids. He doesn't tell them they're in danger either, which I can kind of understand because they're children and he's the adult. So his job is to protect them. And he really thinks he can. But to not tell Amanda. No, she, you know, you know, you're that's supposed to be your partner, your rock, your confidant, your soundboard. And he's not doing any of that. No, he's not. And she still has zero clue why he is so scared. And I see a lot of fault for both of them. I mean, yeah, Daniel is screwing up big time. He's not paying attention to his wife the way he should. He's not paying attention to his business the way he should. And I admit that freely, you know, part of the reason that I love the character of Daniel so much, he has always 
had this like darkness inside of him. He's always been a mouthy little shit. He's always been stubborn. He's pig-headed. Once he gets it in his mind that something's going to be that way, it's almost impossible to change him. Um, he's always been a very flawed hero. So this to me is just a, a progression of that. I have no problem admitting he's a giant douchebag for the first half of season one because he is. Um, but I can admit the same for the other characters. Mm -hmm. That's, <laughs> I don't trash on him constantly and give Johnny all the passes. No, they're both dickheads. <laughs> um, and, but I see Amanda is, is she standing here in front of this man that she has been with for 20 odd years, right? We can see the look of fear in Daniel's eyes. She doesn't seem to see it at all. It's like she's still expecting this, you know, Mr. Perfect got everything together, got the world by the horns guy. And that's not who he is at the moment. And she hasn't noticed the shift either. Now, she does later. And she responds to it. And, you know, I, I don't want you to lose what you've got and all of this. But in this moment right here, right now, it's just back to fire and ice again, where he's trying to explain to her that that Crease is this scary, scary guy, and she just completely dismisses him as a threat. Mm. Mm -hmm. So they're both screwing up right now, but they're also both only seeing their side of it because she's not telling Daniel what's going on. She's dropping hints left, right, and center. But she's not straight up telling him until she walks away. She's doing the, you know, you can't stick a bandage on an open head wound. And she's all kinds of allegories and stuff. She's not straight up telling him, no, I need you to pay attention to me. So he's trying to fix things. He doesn't even know what's broken. And it's just a big giant mess. Right. Oh, yeah. And we are just three episodes away from... To wrap up our season two we are oh yes man. sir okay uh Brianna, do you want to stay in for the feedback sure i can all right so the feedback i did not reach out to twitter this time around uh you know schedule for everything has just been hectic you know trying to get these uh these two on, on the call for the pod you know it's, it's always a challenge already so i just kept it with our amazing group page um, and I'll take the first one, Tom, you take, uh, the next one, uh, and then Brianna, you jump in third, starting with Amy S. Uh, she says, I didn't realize how much this episode bums me out until I rewatched it today. I'm so proud of Miguel for taking the medal back and trusting it to Robbie, even though he shouldn't have, and of Johnny for standing up to crease. The rest is just such a damn bummer. Yeah, it's rough. This, this yeah. is a rough episode. Uh, very well written and... Both Johnny and Daniel, you know, kind of had a breakup in this episode. You know, Daniel and Amanda and then Johnny and Crease. Yeah. Yeah, that is actually a really nice uh, way of looking at it, that those relationships are marrying each mm -hmm. other. Well, in some aspects, anyway. that At the moment, they're the mo maybe one of the most important people in their lives. Mm-hmm. Because he hasn't even gotten together with his girlfriend yet, so... Right. <laughs> um... But I did, the look on Johnny's face when he was throwing Crease out was actually very painful to watch. He didn't want to be doing that. He wanted him to turn around and listen to him. I mean, these are grown-ass men, and Crease looks like he was, um, you know, ready to kind of plead. You know, he's like, look. And Johnny's like, no, out. I don't hear it. You know, and it's just kind of like, wow. I mean, 
it, this is his surrogate father, right? We know they love each other in in some capacity, and uh, yeah, all types of feels. Right, and then mm-hmm. he does stomp out like a pissed off toddler. I mean, it's crease. <laughs> right. Kiara C says this episode emphasizes how much the teacher or the teachings we decide to follow can change our lives. Everyone has his own personality, but following the example of someone you esteem and trust, everything seems right to you. It's Johnny's story that repeats itself before his eyes, only this time he won't allow it. Sorry if I dwelt, maybe I didn't understand anything, but that's what I felt. And she brings up some very, very good points. And ladies and gentlemen, if you guys don't know, Chiara is, um, you know, one of our uh, Italian group members. So she writes this in Italian and then Google translates it. Oh, wow. Yeah. But no, she's absolutely right. Uh, Johnny is seeing Miguel make a lot of the same mistakes that he himself made at that Mm -hmm. age. And he's doing his best to try to prevent that. Uh, Again, it just goes to show how much this character has grown since the series started, and it's it's really impressive. I think they call this an arc. I believe they do, <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, they do. Um, I, I, I agree with her. I think she hit the you know nail right on the head. Um, the way he jumps forward when Miguel does kick Eli is he's, he's trying to stop him and almost like, you know, uh, back to the scene in Ace Degenerate when he's clenching his fists trying to make himself stop the what happened in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, here he is trying to stop himself from going down that road again and trying to stop Miguel from doing it at the same time. That's the way I took it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, and next is Natty. Uh, what calls my attention in this episode is the expression of the eyes. I mean, in general... But especially when Daniel is teaching, already said this, but ugh, they are so inspiring. (laughs) And Sam and Robbie's moment in the cold left me speechless. The way they highlighted their look and the breath was spectacular. I do have to say that 90% of what Ralph Macchio does in this episode is with his eyes. You see Daniel scared for, you know, the first third or so. And then you see him devoted and then you see him happy in the freezer he's actually happy and then you see him devastated and then you see him scared again and it's all in his eyes it's not even really in the sound of his voice or anything it's all in his face and billy does the same thing with the look in his eyes when he's watching crease when he's listening to crease when he's watching the boys fight on the mountain all of that and the moment in the cold it didn't really leave me speechless. I did like the way they did it. I liked all the the regular speed, then slow motion, then regular speed, then slow motion. No, uh, it, I was just uh, saying in our review, again, the subtext. Uh, they trusted the actors to be able to convey things without saying it, and they also trusted the audience to be able to pick, on up, to pick it up. I, I was just really, really impressed with watching this episode again for the first time in quite a while. Yeah, it's a, it's a good one. I mean, I've seen it multiple, multiple times, but mm-hmm. I, I do really, really like that scene in the freezer. Absolutely. All right, uh, I'll go ahead and take the next one. Uh, let's see. Dorian T. has a couple points that are brought up. One, the Coyote Creek fights were not only well choreographed, but beautifully shot. 
this is how martial arts should be shown on screen, Hollywood. And actually, yeah, I agree. I thought that the lighting uh, definitely captured the atmosphere of walking in the woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could tell, even though, yeah, they were wearing long sleeves, long pants, you could tell that it was hot and exhausting. And I thought that they just conveyed it very well. Yeah, and the, the choreography, especially Eli and Miguel's fight, was mm-hmm. up until this point, I think that actually kind of rivals the mall fight even for intensity. Because Absolutely. there's that you know fine line between love and hate thing. These two love each other, but at the moment, not only are they enemies in the game, they are also enemies because Eli has stepped over a line that Miguel drew you know, and, and thought that, that he knew Eli well enough to know he would never do something like that. And then he did it and then he bragged about it. Hmm. Yeah. All right. So point number two, the Daniel Kreese confrontation was chilling. I did get the impression that Daniel wasn't afraid of Kreese anymore, but more so fearful of what he's doing to Johnny's students. Um, I don't know. I got the feeling that a little part of him is always going to be at least slightly intimidated by Kreese. But more than that, he's thinking about what is going to happen to all the kids, not just Johnny's students, but his students as well. Yeah, I, I definitely. I, I think there's always this part of him that is not just intimidated by Kreese, but is afraid of him because there mm-hmm. is a lot of fear in his eyes. And in yes. particular, the, the we were all kids once line and just the look on his face you know he's smiling when he comes out the door and when he steps out from behind that heavy bag it's like instantly back to the expression he had when he was 16 years old it's like when he shifts back into that kid he can't help but be afraid of him he has to remind himself he's an adult now and he is a threat he's an active threat to all of these kids he's a threat to johnny and i think daniel is probably thinking about all of this Number three, speaking from experience and as a sensei, Daniel should only need to spend a max of two, maybe three hours training his students, not an entire day. And I'm going to say this just as somebody who has zero experience. I think the reason why he was going all day was inspired, at least partially, out of fear. You know, he's trying to get these kids ready, and he doesn't know how much time he has to do it. Yeah, I mean, it's better to over-prepare than under-prepare. He doesn't know what Kreese or Cobra Kai at that has up their sleeves. Right, Mm -hmm. and we're back to, once again, that active threat to his kids, to his surrogate son, to his actual daughter, to Dimitri, who is, you know, Dimitri may as well be him. Um, his gift from Mr. Miyagi, the, you know, the way I like to think of it. Um, he cares about these kids and he doesn't know when this is coming. He just knows it is. Yeah. And either way, he has a responsibility to his students. Right. Uh, yeah, he does. And plus Mr. Miyagi would drive, you know, how many hours to take him to that lake and they would spend the entire day doing everything. Yeah, exactly. Uh, also just to throw this out, um, Dorian, congratulations on getting promoted to sensei. Uh, he just, yeah, yes. here, here. shared the uh, certificate and um, uh, one of our moderators is a sensei. So uh, you better be nice to That's us. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. That's right. We, we got, we got sensei Dorian over here. So better watch out people. 
We got backup, is what you're saying. I- indeed. We've got we've got we've got multiple backups because I think Sensei Pialani could probably kick some butt too. Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I wouldn't mess with her. Nope. All right, and finally, number four. I can justify why Robbie hid Miguel's gesture in returning the Medal of Honor to Daniel. Trust. Miguel may remind Robbie of his mom's former boyfriends that may have either used or abused her. Given Miguel's hit, uh, given that Miguel hit Sam last season, Robbie is being protective. Before you say anything, being drunk is not an excuse. Nope. I don't think that's an no, excuse. Being, yeah, no, being drunk is absolutely not an excuse. That's, that's one thing no. I have... I, I understand that he's young and he's hormonal and he's drunk and he's all these things and accidents happen and everything. But I mean, he punched his girlfriend in the face. Mm-hmm. There, there's really no excuse for that. And I think Miguel knows that too. Number five, Johnny kicking crease out was an incredibly bold move. Even when crease says, I'm still your sensei. Johnny distancing himself from Crease is proof that Johnny wants to change and be better. I don't know what else to add to that. I mean, that's uh, something that I've been kind of uh, trumpeting for this entire episode, this entire conversation. It shows that Johnny is doing his best to not repeat the same mistakes again. Cool sign. That's all I got to say. Yes, absolutely. His heart is 100% in the right place. Mm -hmm. Next, he says, the Cobra Kai kids... Not having their geese when Johnny returns is is a disturbing foreshadow leading up to episode 10. I never really thought of it that way, but that's actually a really interesting point of view. It really is. Absolutely. Them fighting in street clothes. Mm -hmm. All right. uh, Number seven, Stingray pulling a hawk by flipping the script had me laughing as Johnny dismisses it and the music falls flat. Hilarious. Yeah, that's the thing we didn't talk about. We did talk about how they played that song, what was it, Slither? Quiver. 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 And it ju- the way that they used the music in that scene where it was just cut off short when you know Johnny completely dismissed him, I thought really was the icing on the cake for that joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, all right, Chubbs, he's on your team. <laughs> Terrific. Right? <laughs> and lastly, he says... I really feel for Amanda in this episode. Leaving your partner or spouse in the cold like that is not okay. Plus, pl- poor Anoush. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, Daniel was definitely... He wasn't uh, living up to his responsibilities, I think, as a husband or as an employer in this episode. I think uh, we've all kind of uh, come to that conclusion. Um, Actually, I take a completely different perspective on Anoush. Okay. Um, yes, Daniel didn't show up. Amanda's the CEO. If he, if uh, Anoush absolutely could have taken a counteroffer from her by herself, Daniel didn't need to be. If he wouldn't listen to her unless Daniel was there, then that throws it back on Anoush. Plus, I have this really bizarre, strange loyalty to employers who are also my friends. Which is if, and this did happen when I was working for a very good friend of mine, someone else came to me and offered me more money to do the same job and I didn't even listen to them. Right. And that's kind of uh, what we talked about in our, uh, in the review. We don't know how long Anusha's worked there, but yeah, mm-hmm. 
It, uh, it, I mean, well, he called himself Daniel's friend in season one because when he asked him if he wanted to you know, spar with him, he said, are you asking me as my boss or my friend? Right. I mean, he, it was him and Louie that you know he calls over, n- not just anybody else. But uh, obviously we assumed that um, you know, he, uh, Anoush has some tenure there. Uh, so this does makes it uh, makes it difficult and you know provides tension, right? And I mean he's got his name on the door, and he's talking about being needed in North Hollywood because you know they did lose so many of their sales staff to to Tom Cole before this, and they needed him to. He's running the North Hollywood dealership by himself. Mm. So how much more power does he want? I mean he's like third in command behind the CEO and the owner already, right? Good question. So what higher title does the man actually expect? It probably involves bubble tea. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. Maybe Angela got him a really good boba. I think so. I think so. That said, I do love Anoush. I do feel badly for him that Johnny beat the crap out of him for no particular reason. Oh, absolutely. Um, he did take a hell of a lot of shots on Daniel's behalf. Yes. Yes, and I mean, I think he's still expecting a new pair of Oxfords. Right, from Johnny or, or Daniel. I don't think he really cares at this point. You know what? That's it. Tom Cole offered some Oxfords. There we go. New shoes and Anoush is yours. And some sausages. But I, I do love Anoush, and I really, really hope they find a way to write him back in and bring him back. Because I'm going to miss him terribly. These guys, and when I just beyond the big three, the, the writers of this show, they are brilliant. So I'm, I'm sure they'll have something amazing for us. They finally give him a last name, and it's the last episode that he's ever in? No. Right. More to come. All right. And then Debbie H. Everyone has wonderful insights on this episode, and I'm like, I ship Amanda and Anoush. She sure does. Hey. <laughs> Yes, she absolutely does. There's some fanfic in there somewhere, I'm sure. There you go. That's that's well. She has written it and drawn. Yes, and drawn. I don't know uh, where else she has. Um, I mean, I know she has an Instagram account. I don't want to throw it out if she, you know, that's for her to share. But uh, she definitely shared it in our group. Uh, yeah, the 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 pictures she did and she, her Instagram she did. Okay. Um, her AO3 is under her Tumblr name, and I don't know if she wants those associated. Right, so. right. And that's why we don't ever say everyone's real uh, full names anyway. Yeah. And uh, this one's really brief, but it's from uh, Leah S., who is the mother of Asher, who is one of the uh, the newer Cobras. Uh, it's a, a few different colored hearts with a, a snake, a gee. A uh, yin and a yang emoji and a peace one. I'm trying to figure out what <laughs> the peace symbol is doing there. I'm, the yin and the yang I get. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, she wants everyone to uh, be peace and harmony and all that stuff, I guess. You know, between the, there we go. You know, Cobra Kai and possibly Miyagi-Do. Maybe She's pulling for that alliance like the rest of us. I think so. I think so. Uh, next next one comes from Rick one time. Uh, Sting. <laughs> It's funny, like I, I changed it from Rick, 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 Rick to Rick one time. Um, Stingray really came into his own in this episode. His Stingray-shaped facial hair cracks me up. So glad he earned the nickname he wanted. Did he though? Did he earn that nickname? Oh yeah, I, he definitely earned that. I mean, if he could take the entire dojo by surprise and come out with the victory, he earned it. Okay, okay, all right, fair enough. Fair enough. The thing about Stingrays. Is they killed Steve Irwin. That is true. So I will never use that name. 
So are they docile or not? Yes, they are. Okay, fine. Tom, you win. I, I will. I will take that victory, sir. Yes. They Which again just makes are. his nickname that much funnier. He's trying to be a badass, so he names himself after just a very meek creature. I think it's hilarious. It's kind of like you know somebody really big being called tiny. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. And and the 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 one that did kill Steve Irwin that was a fluke. It was he swam up on him wrong. He came from above. He knew not to pull the barb out, and he did it anyway. And it was in his heart. Mm. It was an accident. Just a just it a freak is, occurrence. It, it, that's all it was. They're not violent. No, I mean not you go all. up to them at Sea World and you pet the things. You know, it, it, they're not violent at all. All right. Uh, so Dorian uh, had uh, something else that he wanted to bring across. He says, "Oh." One more. When Kree says to Miguel, finish him, I got a definite Anakin and Palpatine vibe where, uh, you know, Miguel was in the Anakin role and Palpatine Kreese uh, was in the Palpatine role. I could see that. Okay. All right. In that scene, sort of, but I see that more with Eli. I always hmm. kind of got... Uh, that because dynamic. he was the innocent and the the pure child that is slowly transforming into this just evil little shit, you know. Well, no, I always kind of got the uh, that impression with Crease's relationship with Johnny because when it all gets boiled down, Palpatine was a very abusive teacher who corrupted his pupil. Yes. With Johnny, I will absolutely yeah. definitely. Whereas say Hawk it. is willingly being corrupted, you know he's going into it full bore. Johnny, you know he was corrupted before he even realized that he was the bad guy in the story. Same thing with Anakin. I don't think Eli realizes that Kreese is the bad guy. Mm. We're back to we're back to is he on the spectrum or not? And if he is. He's not picking up on the social cues that tell him that Kreese is the bad guy here. Yeah, but when he knowingly, you know, does a B and E and vandalizes Miyagi Do and steals property and brags about it, he, I, I got the impression that he knew exactly what he did was wrong, and he relished that. I think part of him did. I think the Eli part of him did mm -hmm. because it was the Eli in him that wanted to tell Johnny it was him. That's that is a very interesting point of view. Yeah, I, I do like that. Yeah, I, I definitely see Eli and Hawk as two different people. Eli sits on the couch with Dimitri for a few minutes and then Hawk shows up, you know, and there's this back and forth kind of balancing act between them that Jacob Bertrand is phenomenal at playing mm -hmm. because you can tell when he switches from one to the other. Yeah. All right. And the last comment, I believe this is the last one, right? Yes. Comes from Philippe. Once again, Kreese shows a twisted insolence while waiting uh, for Daniel's dojo, considering the fact that the members of Cobra Kai committed vandalism a few moments before, uh, would have been a few days, I think. This unauthorized presence testified all his contempt for LaRusso. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I actually thought about that, too. For him to be standing there knowing what had happened there. And Daniel's just like, so this is this is what we're going to do now. You guys are just going to keep breaking into my house incredibly disdainful of everything 
We can guess that the reason invoked for his visit was a pretext or a bogus reason. Obviously, his real reason was to intimidate him. Unquestionably. Obviously, was to deliver his threat. Uh, asking him if his students will be ready for war confirms clearly that he transposes through his karate. I can't pronounce this word. Uh, karatekas. Also, just throwing out people. Uh, uh, Philippe uh, is is from uh, Quebec and speaks French. So um, I don't know if he does the Google Translate because I know he does some pretty pretty good Englishing. Uh, which is what I'm going to call it. But I, I just think it's amazing that we have three of our listeners from different parts of the world uh, that are chiming in. It looks like karateka is how it's actually pronounced. And it's just someone who practices karate. Okay, so so that is where I wasn't sure if it was a misspell or, or something. That's why I was just throwing that in. Yeah, Sensei Ford, I've seen him use that word several times too. Okay. Um, through his karateka is an absolute a self-desire to dominate and win over what he considers his rivals or his enemies. He's really a take-no-prisoners kind of guy, and he doesn't care whether his rivals are adults or children. We've known this about him for a very long time. Uh, Dimension that the character refuses to leave since his return to civilian life after the Vietnam War. Also true, everything is still war to him. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it's relevant to remind that the Vietnam War was very complex at his hole at, at, at his hole at the time. Unfortunately, many veterans have had hard times finding a meaning of what they lived, finding support, and have to end up redefining painfully themselves during their reintegration into civilian life. And a lot of them, unfortunately, were unable to do so. And a lot of them remain unable to do so. Absolutely. After any war or after anything, um, it continues to be uh, a problem. Uh, and that's why three years ago there was that challenge, you know, uh, 22 push-ups for 22 straight days. You know, the uh, average of 22 veterans commit suicide. It's uh, PTSD, depression, all, all types of problems. And um, it, it's, it's very sad. And Vietnam in particular, I mean, of course, I was born at the end of the war, but my dad had many, many friends go over there. He was physically ineligible. Mm. Oh, I... My uh, father-in-law, he wasn't even deployed to Vietnam. He was stationed in South Korea, but when he got stateside, he was still spit upon. Mm. You know, it's, it's shameful. Yeah, they were treated very, very badly when they got back. So for him to still be living that and, you know, even the good guys are going to turn on you, it, it makes sense. The The people that you're over there fighting for. And that actually puts a whole new dimension on the thing with Johnny. Because he thinks he's doing what he's doing for Johnny's sake. To prepare him, yeah. Much in the way that Daniel's trying to prepare his students, in a way, Chris is trying to prepare his. But he's not the least bit surprised that his student turns on him. No. He expects it. No. Wow. It's kind of sad, really. That's like a whole different dimension to it. I mean, I still don't like the bastard. <laughs> but yeah, when you look at it that way, where he's expecting the people that he's fighting for to turn on him that's really kind of sad yeah wow i'm still taking johnny's side and crease is still a piece of shit but, <laughs> well, what um, what crease does <laughs> you know over the course of this franchise is not by any stretch of the imagination right but if you try to look at it from his point of view and maybe show a little empathy you can understand if not necessarily agree with his actions right understand where they come from there's an explanation there's no excuse mm-hmm 
Exactly. Um, and uh, uh, Philippe says that it doesn't excuse Creese's philosophy and the application he made of this sport, but it surely helps to understand the core spirit of the old Cobra Kai. Of course, Daniel's astonished at his term of war with reason. It illustrates that Creese's personal vision of karate is derailed. Even Johnny will remind him that his personal vision is unreasonable and does not fit with what he's expecting from his students. All, all very, very good insights. You know, uh, not yeah. just from Philippe, but from everyone. Thank you so much for the feedback, guys. Absolutely. Definitely gave uh, some things to to think about and makes uh, this a much more interesting episode as a result. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you for, to everybody. Uh, just real quick, we actually have some reviews that I want to read, and then we'll close up this episode. Um, so for those that uh, maybe listen listen outside of the U.S., you know, like Canada and all the other countries, Apple Podcast for whatever reason does not show your guys' reviews if you leave some. I was able to find I think two from Australia and one from Canada. Um, so I like to read those real quick because some of these are actually a few months old. Uh, so if you live in a different country and have. Uh, either sent us or a, a review or will leave us a review, please do a screenshot and like email it to us so that way we can read it on the show. We'd love to sh- to share that with others. Um, this one comes from Dosman88, uh, Australia. This was left back in April. Uh, five stars, Cobra Kai Companion is tip-top. Having listened to Cobra Kai Companion for almost a year, hosts Tom and Peter deliver quality con- content about the Karate Kid universe, while I don't always agree with how they diss and berate Daniel LaRusso consistently, <laughs> that that that's me. That's you. Uh, they are true <laughs> fans of the series and can't wait for their season two reviews. So uh, here here they are, and hopefully uh, you're enjoying them uh, as we're putting them out. Uh, the next one comes from Canada, so I guess it's two Canada and one Australia. So first Canada is from Cobra Kai Dad. So shout out to Kevin C. Five stars, the best around. If you only listen to one podcast about Cobra Kai Karate Kid, this is it. From insightful interviews with the cast to little-known facts about the franchise, they have got you covered. Kevin, Cobra Kai Dad. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you. Thank you very much. And that one was back in July, so just a little over a month ago. And a few days after that, this one was left by Manon Test uh, from Canada. Uh, five stars, amazing podcast. My first choice for the Cobra Kai series and the Karate Kid universe. Uh, so thank you guys for uh, leaving those reviews. These really help out. Even if we didn't see these international ones, um, that still puts us, uh, you know, a little bit further up on in the rankings here uh, when people search for Cobra Kai content. And if nothing else, the encouragement is always uh, greatly appreciated. You know, everybody loves a pat on the back now and again. Absolutely, and um, you know. I want to thank everybody for your guys' continued support. I'm not going to reveal it, but the next episode is an interview, and I think you guys will definitely enjoy it. Um, So that's all I'm going to say for now. Uh, Brianna, uh, do you want to give your plugs and where listeners can follow you to check out your amazing artwork and video edits? Uh, I'm not sure that's what they're called, but you know. Um, well, I, I guess the, the culture has changed. I'm used to calling them vids and calling what I do vidding. Okay. But in the Instagram, as Instagram has kind of taken over the world, people call them edits now. Mm, okay. Uh, but it's, it, yeah. Um, I don't do them on Instagram because I don't get Instagram, but <laughs> I'm on there. 
Um, I am Brianna25. I'm not going to testify to how amazing anything on there is, but I do play around with um, screenshots and publicity stills and things like that and make posters. Um, I'm also on Tumblr and Twitter as Brianna25. I am on Archive of Our Own and Fanfiction.net as Brianna25. I am on YouTube as Brianna25, which is where all the vids are. And I am on Facebook as Brianna Davidson. Because they won't give you a number. They won't let me have a number as a last name. That's what it is. Tom, do you do anything else not Cobra Kylie related? Uh, Yeah, I am the co-host and producer of a show called Jake and Tom Conquer the World. We kind of focus on uh, the geekier side of pop culture as well as having just uh, outlandish and sometimes confusing uh conversations that are laced with booze uh you can find me on twitter at uh the drunken dork on facebook you can reach out to our group jake and tom conquer the group and if i may make a little bit of a plug uh recently there's been a show on amazon prime that's been making quite a bit of a stir uh it's called uh-huh. the boys mm-hmm. is it about uh, daniel and johnny it is not. It's a oh. uh, kind of a uh, dark take on what the world would really be like if uh, superheroes were actually here. Uh, and if you go through our back catalog to uh, episode 100, we have a pretty in-depth interview with the co-creator of that uh, series, uh, Derek Robertson. Definitely check that out. All right. Uh, for me, I host another show called Postalgic where we review... Uh, you know, kind of the movies of our yesteryears and sometimes some new releases. Uh, Cobra Kai Companion is the show that I put my focus on into the most right now. I, I definitely want to, you know, wrap up our season two reviews. Uh, so Postalgic's a little behind on that uh, front there, but uh, over 200 plus episodes, uh, all types of movies, Karate Kid, all four movies are on there. Um, I think the latest episode at this point is the remake of Child's Play. Uh, so we get into that. I got an old retro movie review that's probably like three months old now because I haven't edited it. But anyway, you can find me on Postalgic on Twitter and Instagram. And for our show here at Cobra Kai Companion, if Twitter is your thing, you can find us at Cobra Kai Pod. On Instagram, we are Cobra Kai Podcast. Uh, the group where uh, our amazing um, uh, members who got to leave feedback, if that's something you're interested in, go on Facebook and search www.cobrakai.com slash companion podcast. The words period and slash are spelled out. And that is our group. You can copy and paste it from the show notes or click on the link. It's long, but maybe the people who aren't privy to why the title is the way it is, it keeps them out. <laughs> so I guess I'd like to say that the people that get it are maybe more of the hardcore fans of the show. The show as in the YouTube show, not the podcast, but I don't know. E- anyway, you would have to be casual fans aren't going to pick up on that reference. Yes. So, uh, yep, that's going to do it. Brianna, thanks again uh, for providing us your real eggs. And Thank you. Uh, yep, yep. Uh, so thanks for checking us out and until next time I've swim from places I didn't know I had pores <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you for listening to the Court Parts Podcast Network. To listen to more Court Parts shows, visit courtemparts.com. The, uh, pra- hold on, hold on. Oh, hold on. why didn't anybody try to get the headbands off of them? Hold on, there's a word I'm looking for. Uh, not obstacle, part of this. Oh, oh. Competition? No, not competition, part of this. Competition, obstacle. Dang it. Hey, hold on one sec. Hold on one sec. Yep. Hello? Uh, home recording. Um, up to you. I mean, I guess once I finish up here, I can just go over there. Alright, I'll see you over there. Okay. Okay. Were you about to uh, continue? Okay. No, no, sir. All right. Uh, is is this where I jump in with the next uh, notes? I thought it was. Okay. All right. Uh, I I hope I don't butcher this young lady's name. Uh, apologies if I do. Kiara. Kiara uh, uh, C. Kiara. Kiara. I am sorry. You want to say that again? All right. So, Chiara C. Kiara. Has, Kiara. Uh, dang it. <laughs> why, why can I get that? Get, all right. So. And I think that's it. We're going to close it out, and we'll see you guys next time. See ya. Bye. Hold on. I had I, I had one of those funny lines I completely forgot. Say it and sting it. Say it and sting it? Yeah, use it as a stinger. Say it anyway. We'll laugh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Uh, well, now that you have expectations to live up to. <laughs> oh, damn.